Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message with our lead pastor, Zach Maddox. Well, so I really like this old backpack. I've had it 14 years. It's traveled the world with me. Take it to Sudan. Let me think. Kenya, Madagascar, Ethiopia. Dominican. Dominican? No, I didn't get to the Dominican. I missed it. Um, to, man, Greece, to, to Turkey, to Israel, to Jordan, Morocco, Indonesia, lots of places. So it's been everywhere. Challenges a couple years ago started losing, you know, the elasticity, you know, that started going out. Uh, I, I also ride it, so if I take the motorcycle to work, which would not be today, when I take that, then backpack is in session. But uh, last fall, start, zippers started failing. Okay, so the whole point of a backpack is to like keep things in, right? Zippers failing is a problem. So I realized it was time to do something different, get a, get a new backpack. So for Christmas, I got a new backpack. I'm really excited about it. And I can't wait, so it's going to be broken in. We're going to go to, to Israel March with a bunch of people from Connection Points. It'll be great. Uh, turns out backpacks have changed a lot in 14 years. I don't know half the stuff on here, but I do look forward to figuring it out. You know, I love the old, but there is something exciting about the new. What do you have that's old that you, you hate to part with? You know, maybe you've got like a favorite pair of shoes. Ladies, maybe you've got this handbag that's just like, it's your go-to. I don't know, maybe it's an old car. There's lots of things that, that we could have in our life that are old that maybe need replacement, but it's hard sometimes to let go of the old, to embrace the new. And so then the question is, how do we do that? How do we appreciate the old, but still embrace and be excited for the new? And, and so we're gonna look at a passage of scripture today as we get into our series on a great awakening and awaken to new beginnings, where God addresses this, because this is not a new issue. This is, this is an age old challenge for us, because I've got lots of memories with that backpack. And I'm going to make some new memories with that one. And, and so then the question is, well, how do we do that? How do we deal with that tension? And, and so God shows us what to do. He, he shows the Israelites and he speaks through someone, a prophet named Isaiah, to help them understand how do you appreciate the old while still embracing the new? Uh, because that's part of what God does. And in fact, God in the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, he says, I'm doing a new thing. Or he makes all things new. That's what he says. I make all things new. God is the original creative. And if you know anything about creatives, they don't like to do the same thing twice. So God does the same thing in our lives as well sometimes. And so I'm going to take a look at a passage of scripture that helps us to, to navigate those things this morning. So if you have your Bibles, hey, I hope you do. I hope you've got God's word with you today. Uh, we say that if you're new to Connection Point because we want you daily in God's word. And so we're going to take a look at Isaiah chapter 43 this morning. Isaiah's in the Old Testament. I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. What I'm going to do is just read a few verses to help us get into the first point this morning, and then I'll jump ahead and get to a couple other verses to help us get into the second point, and then I'm actually going to move on to chapter 43 for the third point today. But we'll start in 43, and we're just going to read through the first half of verse 3, and here's what we have recorded. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Aren't we grateful that we are the Lord's? 
When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. On January 8th, 1984, this church began as Bethel Christian Life Center with Bill McKee serving as lead pastor. It began in the Four Point Sheridan down the road. So January 8th, so not on a day unlike today, this church began. It was a new beginning for all who were there that day. And some of those individuals are here with us today. Isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord. In September of the next year, in 1985, the church moved to US 52, across from where Meyer sits today. In fact, if you're driving on 231, you can see the road sign Bethel, and that's where the church used to sit. And so when they moved, it was a new beginning and a new building for this congregation. Then in 1990, Pastor Don Austin came to serve as lead pastor. It was a new beginning with a new lead pastor. Then in 1999, pastors Ted and Sue Bruss came to, to serve as lead pastors. Another new beginning with new lead pastors. Then in 2011, this congregation moved from their location on US 52 to where we sit today. In fact, if you came in through the D doors this morning, you may have seen this sign. It says, new beginning 2011. And if you didn't see it this morning, you can look for it on your way out. It's there. There was a new beginning in 2011. And with the move came a new beginning marked with the new name, Connection Point Church. It was a new beginning indeed. Then in December of 2015, pastors Ted and Sue, they retired, and our family came and served this congregation as lead pastors. So another new beginning with new lead pastors. And now here we sit in 2020. You walked into a sanctuary this morning that's actually labeled the New Beginning Sanctuary. Again, maybe you didn't realize that. But I firmly believe Jesus is leading us toward a new beginning once again. You see, God, our creator, loves to make new things new. But I do recognize sometimes new things can be scary. And this is not a new response to new things. So before we get into that, what I want to share this morning is a couple of thoughts. So this is actually from uh, the prayer time this morning. So we've got three different prayer times that happen on Sunday morning. And so one of the, the words that was gathered during the last prayer time, I want to share that with you this morning. And here's what was collected in that prayer time, that I am the God who creates. As I created the world, I desire to create a new thing in the world. And the things I create are always good. I'm doing something brand new, something you have never heard of. You will be a stream in the desert among my lost people. You will bring my living water to a land that is drunk on the spirit of self. I have great faith in you because I am in you and I am faithful. When I create, I complete in perfection. Everything I create is good because I am good. Like a young mother who cheers on her child taking their first steps, I'm cheering you on because I am for you. Each uh, unsteady step you take in my grace brings completion to the good work I'm doing. So praise the Lord. So, I used to teach before I pastored. I'd like you all to be good students this morning and take a deep breath. I'm resetting your brains. That's what I'm doing, by the way. Because as we enter into a conversation about new beginnings, if we're not careful, fears can rise up. So I rebuke fear in Jesus' name. Amen. Shelly and I are going nowhere. We're here. Uh, so we re rebuke any other thought otherwise. And as we keep going, this building will be here, and we're going to keep ministering in Jesus' name to this community. 
I just think as we head into new beginning, we're going to do it in increasingly wonderful ways. So as we enter into new beginning, cast all fears aside, and that's actually where we're going to start this morning. Because when Isaiah was writing the people of Israel, they were very concerned about their future. But Isaiah had instructions from God on what to say. There is a starting point for all new beginnings with God. The starting point is remembering who we belong to. If you know that, everything is good. And so that's our starting point as we prepare to be a part of the next great awakening of the church in North America. We find that we can be part of the next great awakening by remembering who we belong to. We can be part of the next great awakening of the American church by remembering who we belong to. So Isaiah lived during the decline of Israel in the shadow of Assyria. And the context of Isaiah 43 is that it's God's intent to support his people through whatever may come in the years ahead. Because change is coming for the people of Israel. We find in our passage that God's support is not given because of anything they've done, as though they deserve this kind of care. Israel's not become more perceptive or more obedient, and God's salvation, it's not conditional. Isaiah is simply announcing that God's people need not fear. He has not suspended his loving care for them. They belong to him. And who is it the people of Israel belong to? Who is God? Well, we find in verse 3, he's Lord and Savior. Those are two big titles. He's Yahweh. The name God was uh, given to Moses to identify the one who wished to deliver his captive people. That's who God is. Because as the Israelites stood on the saving side of the Red Sea, there's no doubt that God was their Savior. They know who he is. Because the Savior is someone who steps in when someone's unable to step up themselves. And why is God willing to care for his people? You ever wondered that? We find it's because of God's special relationship to Israel that it will experience his grace because of what they are to him, precious and honored and loved. He created the nation long ago. He's not going to forsake it now. And the same holds true for the church. As we look at the state of the church today at first glance, things really don't look great. Attending a conference a couple of years ago, the presenter shared the following information regarding the state of the church. He shared that 80% of churches have plateaued or are declining. 80%, that's a lot. 15% of churches are growing simply from church transfers. 5% of churches are growing from conversion. 96 churches will have their last service today. That's hard. 53,000 people a week are leaving the church. 50 pastors leave the ministry every day. Today's a hard day to lead the church. John Dickerson, author of the book, The Great Evangelical Recession, he shares in regards to the state of the church. The overall membership is shrinking. The American church is on a precipice of a spiritual recession. Young Christians are fleeing. Our donations are drying up. Political fervor is dividing us. Even as these crises eat at the church internally, the once friendly host culture of the United States is quickly turning hostile and antagonistic. In the middle of it all, we can become concerned or fearful regarding the future of the church. We can become concerned about our kids' future, right? We can become fearful in the way that we then start to live our lives. But God says we're to concentrate in this case on one fact, who we belong to. That's all that matters. And who do we belong to? God. Whose church is this? It is his. It's the Lord's. And whenever believers pass through the way of hardship, loss, and tragedy, God himself accompanies him. 
Whatever may appear to be the case when looking at what the world calls reality, the presence of God, we know it can change it all. That's why we don't worry. Just as God shaped the physical universe, he brought us, he brought you, he brought this church all into existence. He formed us and made us. He formed this church. It's all created for his glory, by the way. So I want to read Isaiah 43 and insert ourselves into that text this morning. Thus says the Lord, he who created you, he who created you, O Leon, who who created you, O Arlene, he who created you, fill in your name this morning, he created us all. He formed you, Connection Point Church. Fear not, for I, the Lord your God, have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through troubled waters, I will be with you. They shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fires of purification, you shall not be burned. The flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, your Savior. Why? Because God says we are precious in his eyes. We're honored and he loves us. Who do we belong to? God. So the call to Israel and Isaiah is one of not being afraid because of it. And it's the same call for us today. Do not fear. Do not fear. As we look at the state of the church today, we don't really need to worry about it. God's not forsaken us. He's not abandoned us. He's at work in our nation. He's at work in the church in North America. We simply need to remember who we belong to. We belong to the creator of heaven and earth our Lord and Savior. And we can be part of the next great awakening by remembering who we belong to. We can be part of the next great awakening by embracing new things. We can be part of the next great awakening by embracing new things. After God reminds Israel who it is they belong to, he tells them to forget about former things, to not consider things of old. So I'm gonna continue in Isaiah 43. I left off in verse three. I'm gonna jump down to verse 18 and 19. And here's what Isaiah writes. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I find this an interesting statement, considering God basically says, don't forget who I am and don't forget who you belong to. And oh yeah, do go ahead and forget about the past ways I've saved you. Isn't that interesting? I think that's really interesting. Uh, What does God mean? Remember who you belong to, but don't consider things of old. Well, it turns out we humans are habitual idolaters. We turn everything into a something to be revered or worshiped if we're allowed to. We really do. So for Israel, the glorious saving events of the past with all their details, it had become a straight jacket into which every other act of God was gonna be forced through. They want to look for plagues to free them from exile and another crossing of the Red Sea to wipe out their enemies. And as a result, the Israelites were frequently unable to recognize God's new actions when they came. God is predicting a new exodus for the people of Israel, which should not be made to conform to the previous one, but allowed to stand on its own rights. So Isaiah is telling the Israelites, remember God, he is the sort who can do all kinds of things. But forget the ways he did them before. Why? Because God's our creator. He does not need to do the things the same way twice. 
And I've mentioned, if you know a creative person, they don't like to repeat themselves. They like new things. So how much more God who created it all? God is consistent. I want to say this is important. God is consistent, of course, but his methods can always be new. And if we make an idol of past methods, we'll miss what God is doing now. I need to say that again. God is consistent. God is consistent, of course, but his methods can always be new. And if we make an idol of past methods, we will miss what God is doing now. Are you tracking with me? This new thing is bursting forth right before your eyes, Scripture says. We simply need to recognize it. And through this new thing, God will do the impossible. Look at what the verses follow in verse 19. He will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. That's impossible. But we serve the God of the impossible. He will turn the current trajectory of the church around, I guarantee it. There's actually a lot that church history can teach us about how God does this, this principle. Phyllis Tickley in her book, The Great Emergent, she says that every 500 years, one in every 10 generations, the church feels compelled to hold a giant rummage sale. I love that picture. Like there's just giant rummage sales that happen every 500 years. So I want to explain what she means. When you look back over the 2000 time period of the church, the time of Christ was the original rummage sale, an era Tickley calls the Great Transformation. When a man who was Emmanuel, God with us, he created a new understanding of our relationship with God. And then 500 years later, we saw the collapse of the Roman Empire in the beginning of the Dark Ages. In this period, the church entered an era of preservation as the church went underground with monks and nuns practicing the monastic tradition and abbeys and convents. Next, so 500 years later, at the beginning of the new millennium in 1054 came the Great Schism when the Christian church split into the Eastern and Western branches that we still see today in the Eastern Orthodox and Roman Catholic traditions. And then in the 1500s, so 500 years later, the Reformation resulted in new branches of Christian tradition with different understandings of how people relate to God personally through direct prayer and uh, individual interpretation of the Bible. So every 500 years or so, there have been these tectonic shifts in Christian tradition, resulting in huge changes of both understanding and practice. This is our church history. And it's been 500 years, in case you don't know, since the Reformation. We celebrated its anniversary in 2017. And so the question is, is the church having a rummage sale now? Are we the one in 10 generations who will see a shift? Tickley and many others think we are. And as you look at churches across North America, this does seem to be the case. God, the creator, is at work in the church, shaping it how he sees fit. So the question then is, what kind of rummage sale is the church having? God is working to get rid of consumer mindsets for many Christians. Instead of promoting classes and specific programs and events to build the church, God desires we employ his strategy to reach the world. And what's his strategy? Very simple, love. I shared a couple of weeks ago that Jesus said the world should know us by our love. Unity is the method God wants the church to use to reach the world. God's getting rid of self-centered consumer mindsets and replacing them with servant-hearted individuals who are truly devoted to the work of the Lord. The next great awakening the church experiences will come by way of the supernatural love that's expressed between believers and love that's expressed to others that causes the world to ask, how can people love like that? But what else is God doing? He's emphasizing the priesthood of all believers. Church was never meant to be led by a small band of superheroes but instead a large army of servants. 
There are not two classes of Christians in a church, pastors and laity. We are a kingdom of priests, each with our own specific roles and functions within the body, but all given the opportunity and calling to serve as everyday disciple makers of Jesus. What else is God doing? He's awakening a desire within believers to holistically address the many challenges our world is facing. He's encouraging believers to share the gospel in word and action. See things change, just like Jesus did. Following Jesus is more than Sunday morning services. It's making a real difference in our neighborhoods and workplaces, in the community in which we live, in the world we have an opportunity to serve. And what else is God doing? He's helping churches understand the limits of their buildings. There are not enough church buildings and parking lots to host the 150,000 lost in the greater Lafayette area. We can never do it, and that's okay. We can do a lot to leverage a building for God's use, but we don't ever want to put a straitjacket on how God has to work because we own buildings. We don't want to do that. Will people be reached on a Sunday morning in church buildings across the greater Lafayette area? Absolutely. And they're still going to be reached here that way. But I also think people will increasingly be reached where they're at with believers going to them instead of them always having to come into a church building. Why? Because God, the creator, does new things and Jesus is both savior and sender. We've kind of forgotten that part. And what else is God doing? He's fostering greater unity among believers across denominations. Praise the Lord. We saw that overseas first, and now we're seeing it here, and we're thankful for it. And what's the foundation for unity? Love. That's why I shared last week, the next great awakening will occur as followers of Jesus learn to go together in love, to share the gospel in word and action. That's it. We're going to share the gospel in word and action, and go together in love to do it. If we want to be a part of the next great awakening, we can not make an idol of past methods, but instead we must embrace the new things God is doing to fulfill his big dream. We can be a part. And that's the opportunity here. We can be a part of the next great awakening by embracing new things. And we can also do it by serving as God's witnesses. We can be a part of the next great awakening by serving as God's witnesses. You know, the interesting thing about what God is doing today is it really isn't new. Now, wait a minute. I thought you just said... Like we have to embrace new things. It might be new for us, but I'll be honest, it's really not new for God. It's like he's doing the same thing new. That's, that's about what he's doing. He's simply trying to bring us back to the beginning, to that age-old expectation that we serve as his witnesses. I want to take a look at Isaiah chapter 44, which helps round out where this is really going in the context of that passage. Starting in verse 6, it says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me, since I appointed an ancient people. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. That's it. Isaiah is telling us, that no other idol, no other God can compare with Yahweh. Praise the Lord. That's why when we remember who we belong to, we don't need to worry. In the previous chapter, God is calling out the false gods. In 43, he does this to present witnesses that can attest to their deity. But of course, they can't. There are none. And then with great daring, God announces that the captive Judeans, they'll be his witnesses. Despite their spiritual blindness, Despite their shortcomings, they will still be the living evidence that God is who he says he is, Lord and Savior. 
We will be a part of the next great awakening as we once again become witnesses of God despite our shortcomings. So in November, the pastors of Connection Point, they, uh, we went to an exponential conference in Chicago and it focuses on this topic a bit. Exponential, it's a community of leaders that are committed to accelerating the multiplication of healthy, reproducing faith communities. And they've been working for years to help churches in North America embrace this new thing that God is doing. So exponential, what it does is it groups churches according to the following five categories that level one churches, they're churches that are in decline. They're subtracting churches. They, they have fewer, fewer people in them every year. And then level two churches are churches that have plateaued. They're surviving churches. They're neither shrinking nor are they growing. Level three churches are churches that are growing by addition. Attendance is increasing. Many are even externally focused. They make an impact on their surrounding communities, but they still focus on accumulating people overall. Level four churches are churches that are reproducing. They are more focused on equipping and sending people and reaching the lost than they are with accumulating people. And then level five churches are churches that are multiplying. They send out everyday missionaries who multiply the kingdom of God in their area and around the world. So the new thing God is doing is he's raising up more level four and level five reproducing and multiplying churches who equip everyday disciple makers to go together and love to share the gospel in word and action. That's what he's doing. So currently, Connection Point, we'd be classified as a level three, a growing church, being that 15% of churches that are growing by addition. We're not in the 80% of churches that are stalled or in decline. We're in the 15% of churches that are growing by addition. But while we were at the Exponential Conference, here's what was encouraging. Dave Ferguson, the leader of Exponential, he shared that they've started 10 years ago with about 3% of churches in the U.S. that are reproducing or multiplying. And, and he said, we thought we should look back at that to see, have we increased? Have we grown? Are we making any difference? And, and so he shared, we are. And so praise the Lord, no longer just 3% and not just 4%, not just 5 or 6 but 7% of churches in the U.S. are now reproducing, multiplying churches. Praise the Lord. He's building his church. We just need to go after it his way. But here's what's most encouraging about that. For every 1% of growth, that represents 5,000 churches. So if you've grown by four percentage points, 20,000 churches are now reproducing, multiplying that 10 years ago were not. Praise Jesus. Jesus is building his church. So as we look at the state of the church today, we don't need to fear. We should instead be inspired because God is doing a new thing. He's bringing us back to our roots as disciple makers who make disciple makers. God's not abandoned us. He's leading us to become everyday disciple makers who live extraordinary lives as his witnesses. How can we be part of the next great awakening of the North American church? We can be part of the next great awakening by embracing a new beginning as God's witnesses. I want to tell you, the best days of this congregation are before us. The best days of this congregation are yet before us. They really are. You know the confidence I have in leadership? Am I stronger than God? Nope. So I can't screw this up. So praise the Lord. No matter what, we can't mess this up because God wants to build his church. We just have to be faithful to see what he's doing and enter into that space. He declares, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? God is helping us become a level four and level five, reproducing and multiplying church. We're already uh, taking strides that direction, going together in love to share the gospel and word in action. Jesus is leading us to become everyday disciple makers who live extraordinary lives. The question is, will you embrace that new beginning today? 
Will you be a part of that next great awakening? We're going to spend the next several weeks talking about how God is leading us that way. But today we just want to enter into a space where we say, Jesus, I'm willing to enter into a new beginning. And I don't know where you find yourself today. Maybe you need a new beginning personally in life. Maybe you need a new beginning in your marriage and in the way that you interact with your spouse. And I really believe God wants us to enter into those new beginnings today. So I'm going to invite the music team to come and we're going to close out in song this morning. And as they're coming, I'm going to, uh, before I invite you to stand, I want to talk through the last song we're going to sing. It's, it's called Make Room. And I want to read a couple of the lyrics and explain what we're looking at this morning. It starts out with, here is where I lay it down, every burden, every crown, this is my surrender. You want to know the two things that are new beginning killers? Fear and pride. They kill new beginnings in people's lives. So I'm just going to rebuke those two things this morning. And what I want us to do as we close in song is I'd actually like us to gather up front together to commit ourselves to new beginning. And maybe you need new beginning in your personal life. For sure, we could look at a new beginning corporately and in this community as we enter into the space God wants us to be as a church. And I want us, as you look at those first verse, what am I laying down? I'm laying down fear. I'm laying down pride. And the reason we would have you come and step out here is because if you take physical steps toward a spiritual reality, something unlocks in your spirit. It just does. And I want you to experience that this morning. But one of the lines later in the song that I want to explain a little bit is, shake up the ground of all my tradition, break down the walls of all my religion, your way is better. Now, I want to mention here, religion's not a bad thing. We find in the New Testament book of James where, where he writes, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That's a great thing, but that's God's religion. So God's religion, if you want to go after that, praise the Lord, go after that. But you know what? Part of embracing new things is to say, Jesus, I'm not going to make an idol of my religions and traditions. Your way. God's way is always better. So what God is saying, how do we embrace new beginnings? We say, I remember who I belong to. But it's okay to forget some of the former ways he saved in the past because why? God's our creator and he does new things. That's what Isaiah 43 is all about. So I want to invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. And as we close, the music team is going to come and they're going to lead us. And I just want us all to collectively sing that song together and some are already starting to come. So if you want to step out from where you're at, I would encourage you, just come. And all that is is a symbol to say, I'm not going to let fear and pride rule my life. So I'm going to say, Jesus, your way is better. And I want to make room for you to move in my life as I enter into a new year, 2020. I want you to do what you want to do because God, I'm yours. This church is his and we want him to do his thing.